This episode is brought to you by the first annual Virtual Natural Average Mother Runner Half Marathon and 5K Run. Wow, what a mouthful, but that is exactly what's happening on November 14th through the 15th 2020. First of all, I am so happy to finally put this amazing event together. And I am even happier to join forces with the YWCA, Northeastern New York in Schenectady, New York, because a portion of the registration fees will be going to the YWCA. And if you've been following this podcast, and if you've been following me on Instagram, you know that I am all about women empowerment. And one of the missions of the YWCA Northeastern New York is to provide programs to empower women and girls. How amazing is that? And this run is purely for fun, and it's virtual, which means you can run it anywhere a trail, a path, on the road, and even on your treadmill, although I would not recommend that, but you have the choice to do so. So how do you do this? You go to the link in the episode notes to register for the race, and anyone 18 and over in the USA, including Puerto Rico, can register. And when you register, you can join the Facebook group for all racing participants. The link is in the registration website. And here you're going to get all the support, accountability, and any updates on the race. Now on race day, you have the weekend of November 14th through the 15th to complete the run. You get to choose your day. You can either run on Saturday or Sunday, and you get to choose the time. So finally, when you complete the run, you can submit your time on the race page. So what do you get? First of all, you get to give to an amazing cause, the YWCA. You get bragging rights that you participated in the first Not Your Average Mother Runner race. You get to finish a race, which is a huge accomplishment, and a free t-shirt. Now, for the ladies that are listening to this and thinking, oh my God, I can never do a 5K, I can never run, I have it on my bucket list, believe me, I've been there. And I am giving all women that register for the 5K race a huge discount to get trained by me and be part of the training group. Now here, you're gonna get tons of videos and information to help get you to finish a 5K. And if you know me, I love doing my videos. And you're also gonna get 24-7 email support from me. So if you're like in the middle of the night stressing out and saying, oh my God, Lisa, I don't think I can do this, I'm gonna email you back and tell you that you can. You're also gonna get nutritional support, race strategy, And we're also going to make this fun. We're going to have weekly challenges to win prizes. But of course, the most important part of this is that you're going to get amazing support and accountability by other women just like you. This is huge. Do not miss out. So once again, virtual, not your average mother runner half marathon and 5K happening on November 14th through the 15th. 2020. 
links in the episode notes to get more information and to register for the race, or you can go to the website at www.notyouraveragemotherrunner.com. There's so much goodness coming out for this event. Do not miss it. Welcome to Not Your Average Mother Runner podcast. My name is Lisa, and this is not just a podcast about running. This is a podcast to empower women through fitness and health and everything in between. Because let's be honest, ladies, this journey could suck if we don't get our shit together. Welcome back to Not Your Average Mother Runner Podcast. I am your host, Lisa. I want to thank everyone again for their amazing feedback. I truly appreciate it. Uh, But don't forget to share that love and rate the podcast and leave a comment on iTunes. And please make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Spotify, iHeart, Stitcher, wherever I am. (laughs) And... um, so that you could get notified when I drop an episode. So today's guest is from Fairbanks, Alaska. And be patient with me when I finish saying this. She is a lifestyle coach, a blogger, a two-time strongman competitor, a retired sled dog racer, a personal trainer, and a Reiki master. God, Mary. (laughs) Uh, We will be talking about aging gracefully and of course Reiki because I have such an interest in this and I think a lot of people do as well. So welcome Mary Black to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. You know, I'll tell you what got to me was the retired, uh, well, the sled dog racer. You had that on your bio and I was like, what? (laughs) You know, that is crazy. Um, So I totally had to have you on here to discuss a little bit about that. Um, But before we talk about that, why don't you uh, let the listeners know like who you are, your background story, uh, you know, did you always live in Alaska and talk a little bit about that. Um, well, it's funny because ironically, I live in Alaska now and don't have any sled dogs and did not have sled dogs while when we moved here. So my husband and I came up here about, oh gosh, it's been five years ago now. We came up to work the summer in a um, touring operation ironically, at a sled dog racer's place in Denali National Park, and uh, just decided to stay. We were only coming up for the summer, and we were going to stay. We are both born and raised in northern Minnesota. That's where we had our sled dogs. That's where we we lived. We even lived in the bush for eight years with the sled dogs, So, uh, and then retired from that in 2011. So once we moved here, all of our friends, which, you know, you have lots of connections in other states when you're a sled dog racer Mm -hmm. and all of our friends that were rather sled dog people here or in the lower 48, they were like, oh, they're getting back into dogs. It's like, no. (laughs) And we live now in the true Mecca of dog sled racing and (laughs) sledding and even lived out 
out of town about 15 miles for the first two years, right in the thick of it. I mean, we had a team of sled dogs right across the street from us. We had two more uh, within a half mile of us on our same road. I mean, we were literally surrounded by them, but had no desire to get back into it oh at my all. God. <laughs> now, do you own, did you own the dogs? Oh, yes, Absolutely. We and owned and we raised most of ours. Uh, in the beginning, um, my husband actually had had sled dogs before I met him um, for a period of time. He got into it when he was, oh, I guess just like, was it a junior in high school or maybe even um, um, middle school and just kind of fell in love with the sport, had some dogs, and then he had gotten out, he'd gone through some life transitions and had been out of dogs when I met him. And then a couple of years after we got we met, we met, we got married in uh, May of 1989. By June, we had bought a house. And by September, we had at least a half a dozen dogs in our front yard. So, and then for 22 years together, that was what we did in our spare time, which wasn't much. (laughs) Would you say you're like a little bit of a, of a dog whisperer? Uh, not necessarily. <laughs> um, you know, your own dogs, you get to know very, very well. Um, that's something that we had in the beginning, we have bought a lot of dogs, you know, you kind of have to buy to kind of get rolling in the sport, if you will, it's the quickest way to do it. Um, and then throughout the years, we, of course, started doing our own breeding. Um, we'd either breed to some other dogs and get puppies or we just had our own. We generally have one to two litters a summer and then would that became the base of of our our dogs. We would rate you know tr- or raise them and we'd harness break them and then we'd see if they were working out for what we were doing. If not, some went as pets, some went to other people starting out, some went to other people who were maybe just a recreational team and wasn't worried about the speed because we actually raced um, the dogs. Wow. And is there like big money in this, like the competition? (laughs) Big money going out of your pocket. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) For the most part, most, most, most mushers are in it for the love of the dogs. Uh And, um, you know, like our dog food bill and we weren't a huge operation. There was at one point we did have something like 90 dogs in our front yard, but a friend of ours had moved back from Alaska and he had, I think we had 25 of his, we had a whole bunch of puppies that year. Um, so, and we were in transition and within, uh, you know, once he came and got his dogs and, found his house and, you know, moved his dogs out. We generally sat anywhere between 30 to 50 with, you know, that included puppies. You know, if you had a litter of seven, eight puppies, um, you know, that or two litters of puppies, that would expand your number quite quickly. But then they, you know, they would weed themselves out. Like I said, they'd go to recreational teams or that a lot of times our dogs that didn't work out for racing would go to somebody who was a tour operator where they give sled dog rides. Oh my gosh, that is insane. I, I don't know a lot about that in that area. I, I know I've seen it, you know, you see it on TV, but I, as far as, you know, how that all comes together, I don't know a lot about it, but let's also talk about the strongman competitor. Just a little <laughs> bit about that. That's crazy. It is. So um, a little backstory on that. Like I mentioned, in 2011, we retired from sled dog racing. We sold out. We completely sold out. 
everything. Um, we have like a couple of, of uh, lines left, which are now a leash for our Australian shepherd, um, a dog jacket for him when he's outside in the wintertime <laughs> and it's cold. But otherwise, we, we completely sold out. Um, that fall, we moved into town because we were living in the bush. We were 10 miles from the power grid, six miles from the end of the plowed road. And in the wintertime, when we lived in that area, I would stay in town during the week while I was working. I worked full-time year-round. And my husband and handlers would be out in at the cabin and taking care of the dogs and such. So fall rolled around and we were like, gosh, you know, we don't need to live out here as much as we love being out here. We loved our cabin. We built it all from the ground up. We brought every piece of lumber, plywood, screw, nail, everything. We hauled that stuff in there. And, uh, but we were like, we just don't need to live out here. So we found a place to town in town to rent, and we also had the opportunity to buy the gym that was in town. It was a 24-hour facility, very similar to an Anytime Fitness, and we had kind of started getting back into our own fitness. We'd always do that in the summer, because in the wintertime, especially when we moved to the bush, they just don't have time, nor do you have the facilities to do it, or the desire to make the two-hour trek to get into town. Um, so we uh, we were like, hey, let's buy the gym. We need something to do. My husband needed something to do. It was wintertime. He worked seasonally. So um, we bought the local gym and really got back into our fitness. I did a couple figure competitions. And then a couple of years later, we were like, gosh, we're sick of this cold. Um, we have friends in Florida and like North central Florida, we had visited them and we were like, you know, this is pretty sweet. We left in a blizzard and came home to the aftermath of that blizzard in Minnesota when we flew back into Minneapolis and it had, our car was just like covered in snow and it was like 30 below with the winds whipping and we're like, what on earth are we doing back here? Oh. So by the end of the year we had, um, we, uh, we had moved. We ended up selling. Uh, the gym didn't sell. There's a long story there. So we liquidated and we moved to Florida for a year and a half. And that's where we were introduced to Strongman. Um, the gym that we had found, one of the guys there, he was a Strongman competitor, amateurs, you know, Strongman competitor. They do Strongman Fridays or Strongman Saturdays where Friday night, instead of going out, you know, drinking like a lot of people do, we'd head to the gym and start lifting this heavy, crazy, weird stuff and do weird things, you know, like flipping <laughs> tires and pulling trucks and, and things like that. So, um, so my husband really found a love. He's a really big guy. He's six, six, about two oh, these days. He's about 300 pounds. Um, cause he's packed on muscle since we started doing that. Um, and he really, really, really fell in love with it. And then, um, he ended up working out of state in Florida cause we couldn't find jobs that paid real well in Florida mm -hmm. or what we were used to. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so that living out of state was kind of a bummer. We got really tired of it. He was coming and going and he was living in a hotel in Austin, Texas, and just was like, I got to get out of here. This is driving me crazy. So we saw the job in Alaska. Like I said, we went up here or came up here to work that in the summer and then ended up finding, uh, a, he found a really good job at a gold mine and we stayed. And then found a strongman gym here, and the rest is history. Now, I just did it for about a year. Um, I 
did two competitions and then I, my body just kind of needed a break and I wanted to start studying for my own personal trainer certification. And I also work a full-time job, so I couldn't do it all. Mm-hmm. So something had to give. So I, that kind of gave, um, I do have kind of some, um, I don't know, kind of like that little pull to get back into it. Cause I've been going the last couple of Saturdays. Um, they've been doing, they do their strongman Saturdays here too, where they pull out the implements that they're going to be using for a competition coming up here at the end of the month. So last week they were pulling semis and trucks and, um, yeah, so I don't know, but I, once I have a little bit of time, yeah, I definitely want to get back into it again. My God. Wow. You, I'm going to say you definitely have been living life to the fullest, Mary. And I'm going to say that when I looked at your website and I saw you and your husband, you guys are just living it up. I love it. (laughs) You know, we've always been told we're a little bit crazy. Like when first off, you know, why do you want to have a whole bunch of sled dogs? You know, you're crazy. (laughs) Well, okay. Yeah, we're crazy. And then we moved to the bush with them. So it's ironic too, that we were in Minnesota kind of living that Alaskan quote lifestyle yet we were in the lower 48 and now that we're in Alaska, I'm sitting in a house with indoor plumbing, uh, you know, a dishwasher and washer and dryer, which (laughs) that wasn't something we had out there. We made it very comfortable. We learned from a lot of our friends who actually did live in the bush or lived off grid here in Alaska. And actually in this area, um, they gave us some tips and pointers that we learned from them along the way. Um, but you know, I'd, would I go back to it? Absolutely. Do I want to go back to it right now? No. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I'm I'm thinking as you're talking about this, I'm thinking of those shows where they're about survivalists. I mean, you're definitely someone that can survive out there. Do you think you can? Mm. I mean, is that too mm. extreme? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's funny because I, you know, we lived in the bush. Like I said, we were 10 miles from the, the power grid, six miles from the end of the plowed road. Now in the summertime, we could drive there. In the wintertime, we either had to, we mostly took a snow machine in. You know, we could run the dogs in and out, but we usually, we ran them in front of a snow machine to get to our dog truck to go to a race because we needed to haul all of our gear and stuff out as well. Um, but I lived in the bush and I lived without indoor plumbing, but I don't have a lot of desire to go camping. If I go camping, you, y'all best give me like a big ass motorhome or, <laughs> uh, you know, a big trailer. That's how I prefer to go. And I mean, I can go without showers and stuff, but I'm, I don't know. I'm just, ironically, I'm not that outdoorsy anymore at all. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I think. I'm just thinking about my myself in the area around here. Like, you know, people like to go camping because they want to feel that close to nature and just have that experience. And you're like, dude, I lived it. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> I'm done living it for now. <laughs> right, um, right. So how did you get into Reiki? From With all of that, how did that come in? Oh, you know, I, over the last probably 10 years, um, I guess, well, when would it have started? It would have started about 2009, the year that I decided to quit smoking. Uh, I didn't always live a very healthy lifestyle. So ironically, while our dogs were super fit and, you know, we took care of their fitness, nutrition, their health was top priority. Ours wasn't. We ate like crap. I mean, we just grabbed food as we could uh, for most of that. Um, 
And then, I mean, we both smoked. We both smoked at least a pack a day, if not more sometimes. Um, we drank a lot. We lived in the bush. And our our cabin that we had moved to was actually our, quote, dog camp. And what dog camp was when we lived um, in Duluth, we, we were both born and raised in Duluth, Minnesota. And when we lived in Duluth, we bought this property, we built this cabin, and it was dog camp to go to, to get away, to get some great trails. And all we did, all we did when we went there was either build something that another building or something like that, run dogs, and at night, there's no TV, no power, no nothing. So what do we do? We drank, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then once we moved there, that pattern had been set and we kind of kept up with that pattern. Um, but in 2009, uh, my husband had his, gosh, what did that have been? His 30th high school class reunion. And we went there, we weren't feeling, you know, we were starting to feel the effects of living that really crappy, um, non-healthy lifestyle. Um, and I, what really did it for me was also too, was I started recognizing my voice as a smoker's voice. And there was this lady who, um, eventually we had power, we had, um, we just, one thing we never did have was indoor plumbing or television. We had a TV, but we'd watch um, videos and things like that. We had internet eventually with satellite internet. Um, but Friday nights, our big thing was we would listen to this uh, local radio show on like the community radio station, which was a trivia contest and everybody calls in and, and trivia. And there was this one hostess who had this horrible, horrible, horrible smoker's voice. And it was like, you know what? I don't want to sound like that in 20 years. Mm -hmm. And just all of the other things that were going on at the same time, I made that, we kind of made that decision to quit together. Now me, since that day, when I had my last one, it was either the night before of August 17th, 2009, or August 17th was the last day I had. So one of those two days, um, I haven't had a single puff, a drag, uh, nothing. Wow. And um, so that was when, you know, that healthy lifestyle started to change. And then we found... Um, I got involved with a network marketing company that was all about health and fitness and supplements and nutrition. And with that came, well, those products are great. And I still use those products. At one point I thought I was going to be a millionaire in the company, but I still use them because I still believe in them. But what came with that was personal development. And that started kind of that whole chain of events that led to eventually um, Reiki came about and all about like energy and, you know, the energy you put out there. I was introduced to the movie, The Secret and, um, and the books and, and all of that. And so as life kind of progressed, you know, it's all about energy. And I, we talk about this karma in our house and my husband's not as energetically aware, or maybe he is, but he just isn't into it as into it as I am. Um, but what I noticed with him was he, um, in this strongman stuff, he was having a really hard time like relaxing. And I had had an energy session with a friend of mine from high school who she does uh, healing touch, which is similar to Reiki yet different. 
And so I started somewhere along the way, somebody had mentioned Reiki and to help him. And I thought, hmm, let me look into this. So I looked into, is there anything here, any, um, uh, you know, schools or, or somebody who could, you know, does workshops or things like that. I couldn't find anything, or I did find one, but her website hadn't been updated in over two years. Um, so I started looking, where else can I go? Is there anything in Anchorage? I couldn't find anything there. So I went online. I found a program online. Um, took, I don't know, three months for my time. And what I liked about it was I was able to do it in my own time and fit it into the pockets of my time. Mm -hmm. And then um, to kind of help him be able to maybe take care of that, relax and get rid of some of that pain that he has um, from all of, <laughs> all of those hard workouts and some of the residual effects as well. So that's, that's where, how it started. Wow. So it was really too, that's, that's pretty amazing. And that's a really good life partner to have because you you were looking to help him and that's how you got into it. Mm -hmm. um, what is it? Because I know what it is. And I'll tell you, when people first talked about it years ago, and this is not anything new, now it's getting like crazy and, you know, but years ago when they talked about it, it was like magical, mystical, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, it's right. part of the psychic, you know, forum. Um, but what, if you were to tell someone and define it, what is it? S simply balancing your energy and opening up any energy centers that might be blocked. Now I'm a Reiki practitioner, but I'm not very woohoo-y. I mean, I'm a little woohoo, but not a lot of woohoo. <laughs> you know, where some are like way into it. They're deep into the chakras. They're deep into all of the energy and earth, moon, astrology, mm -hmm. all of it. I'm I'm just a little into to that. I believe energy, our energy is what we are. And if we have crappy energy, we're going to have a crappy body. We're going to feel crappy. So if we can relax. Um, that's the one thing a lot of my clients tell me is that they've just feel so relaxed for the first time in years for many of them. So really what Reiki is, is actually life force energy. And that energy we can always tap into. For example, usually the references like a mother has a child who has, you know, like scraped their knee and she goes and kisses their, their knee. That is actually Reiki because a lot of times it feels better, you know, the, that will feel better for that child. So it's just taking that energy and channeling it and sending it along. Um, as Reiki practitioners, we don't set or we don't give Reiki. It just sends, it just goes through us. While we can also try to um, direct it to a certain area of the body, to a certain um, oh challenge, maybe that somebody has going on. Reiki is intelligent, and it will go where it is needed. So, for example, if somebody's having um, like a pain in, say, a shoulder. Well, the source of the pain may be actually in their middle back. Reiki will go to the source. 
Mm-hmm. So while we can focus on an area, it, um, it will go to where it is needed. And so Reiki practitioners, we're just attuned. We get attunements to the energy and it's kind of like tuning into a radio station. It's a vibrational energy. And, and I can tell you when I tune in and start, you know, focusing, when I start um, a new session, I immediately start getting warm. My whole body just starts getting warm. I learned early on when I first started practicing, I was like, man, I need to be in like a sleeveless shirt with loose clothes because, I mean, sweat is literally dripping right down my back. Wow. Wow. Okay. So it's almost as if... So, okay. So when I was skeptical and I, I have a science background, uh, the way they explained it to me was, it, it's, a, it's a lot what you just said, you know, it's the energy work. And I was like, well, what are you talking about energy work? And then she was like, well, you know, atoms and molecules and the energy with that. And I'm like, yeah. And she goes it's the same thing. You know, how could you not think that, you know, we are all about energy. You have it in your body. How do you think your heart, you know, it's being, Mm -hmm. you know, there's electrical impulse in there. And I was like, Oh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Now I, now I get it. But I, I never have actually experienced it at the time until just recently. And, Mm -hmm. and I will say I was very skeptical, even at that point going in. And Mm -hmm. before I say more about that, what does it look like? Like someone comes to you and says, uh, I'm, I'm here for a session. What are you laying your hands on them? What does that look like? What would someone experience if they came to you? So for me, what I have found is I, have best energy and or intuition if I am, my hands are hovering above the body and actually don't do a lot of touch. Um, so your hands there, your fingers are all together. So the energy, cause the energy can escape through your open fingers. So our fingers are all together and I usually lay one hand on top of the other, uh, or real close to one another and then just let the energy flow. Um, and so I'm, so a person is laying on a table, whether it's usually it's a massage table. I just recently, as of yesterday, did my first session at a chiropractic office. I'm doing that on a couple of Saturdays a month. And, um, so I was actually in one of the chiropractors rooms and, you know, using their table. And so you're, for me, at least I never have my clients flip over because I can send it to where it needs to go. So I want them most comfortable and I want them to be relaxed for the whole time. So if they have to flip over, a lot of times I would have have to wake them up because a lot of times they fall asleep or get in a very deep meditative type state. And I don't want to disturb them because I want them to just chill for that hour. Mm-hmm. So um, so generally what I do is you know we discuss things a little bit because a lot of times they're first time clients and they have no idea what they're, they have a little idea what they're getting into, but they don't know what's going to happen. So we'll chat. I'll step out of the room, go wash my hands, let them lay down on the table. I have them laying face up. You're fully clothed the whole time. And then I come back. I usually have like lavender essential oils diffusing. I use lavender, um, during my session, uh, I have candles. It's nice and dark and chill and calm. And then I just have them just lay there, have nice meditative type music playing. And then I work generally, um, 
hovering my hands over the different energy centers of the body. And I'll start um, first, like kind of like over the third eye chakra. I'll go actually off to the side of the head. I go underneath the head, underneath a pillow. Um, that's about as close as I get to touching someone in most cases. Um, and then start working just down all the chakras. If they have any injuries that they would like addressed, I'll focus on that area. So whether it's a shoulder, a knee, a lot of times it's a joint, you know, shoulder, knee, hips. Again, I'll just hover over those areas and then go down toward the feet. A lot of times I, in grounding, um, there are times when I have been almost like pulled into them or pushed away. Um, and the energy can be very, very, very intense because a lot of people, we don't ground anymore. We never go barefoot. So trying to get grounded to the energy, um, that alone can be a huge, huge uh, thing for the clients. Okay. And just to clarify, and I know this could be like for hours, uh, talking about chakras, is that like an energy source? Like everyone has, is it an energy source or what? what is it? They're energy centers in the body. And like I said, I'm a little woo-hoo-y, you know, a lot. There's the seven main energy centers. You have your third eye chakra, your throat chakra, your heart chakra, your sacral, um, the solar plexus, and your, um, gosh, why can't I <laughs> think about it now? But, you know, those are your, you know, the main chakra centers of, of the body. So um, so they're they're circular and if they're not moving and they get blocked, mm -hmm. then, you know, a lot of times that's where we have issues, whether it's physical or physiological or um, not mental, but, you know, you know, just you have those challenges where you have a, a blockage in your your thought processes of, mm -hmm. you know, how you feel and what you're, you know, in your life, you know, it could be... Um, a lot of times being able to speak your own voice. Mm. Um, so it'll find, I'll find out afterwards because we'll, we'll chat after the session too. And I'll have found like, say their, um, their throat chakra had a lot of energy and a lot of movement. And they'll tell me that, you know, I've been having a really hard time, you know, like talking to my boss or talking to my husband or, you know, and that's can, can be, from a blocked throat chakra. Okay. And when you say send energy, so is it like mentally you're having these intentions as you're kind of sending, the, <laughs> I'm just trying to think like, are you sending these messages, like sending the energy through your body into them? I mean, is that what you mean by that? Oh, well, we channel it. So okay. it's flowing through the Reiki practitioner to the client. So I guess it's sending it or what it should be more of, I might focus on that area. So like say it's their their shoulder, I'll hover over that area so the Reiki, they can draw in the Reiki. The biggest thing that is needed for a client is that they are open to it. That, But usually once they get to the get to an appointment, they're already open to it because they are looking for that. They have found that through whatever reason, you know, somebody has told them about it or they've just 
found it randomly. You know, it everything happens for a reason and they found it randomly for a reason. So they usually know a little and they're open to it because they're there because they want change. They need something. Okay. So you know how people, I mean, this is so hard to conceptualize because we as humans need to see and feel. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, this is something I can't feel. I mean, I can't, you'll feel it, but you can't right. see it. You can't, how do you quantify it? And I think that's why it's so hard to explain until you actually experience. Well, I'll, I'll tell you a little bit. I just experienced not too long ago, maybe two months ago. And, you know, she's like, oh, let's, let's do this. And it's a woman that I completely trust. And I was surprised that she asked me if I wanted to do this. Um, and I, but I was so open to it at the time because I had mm-hmm. so much blockage going on. And, and I mean mental blockage. <laughs> um, so she, she had me sitting, laying down, and it's exactly what you said. Never laid one hand on me. I had my eyes closed, and I literally felt this pulse of energy going throughout my entire body to the point that my leg even twitched a little bit. Mm -hmm. I've had that happen too with clients. I was like, what the (laughs) hell is going on? Is this, I'm like, are you a witch? And I'm like, (laughs) she's like, no, I'm not a witch. And I'm a believer. And like what you said, that being in that meditative state, I was in this like, like that's how it felt. It was Mm -hmm. like everything else did it matter? I was in the here and now, and I left her office calm, mm-hmm. just calm. That's, yep, yep. I'm a believer. <laughs> I, <laughs> that's, I didn't, that's usually what I hear. Yep. It is. It's, it's probably one of the most amazing experiences. I can't even. I've I've said it to a lot of my friends who are like, "What? Are you kidding me?" I'm like, I, "Girl, I swear to God, I did not believe it." And yep. my leg is moving and twitching and I ain't moving it. <laughs> and, um, you know, it's, it's something to definitely experience. But I think what you said was very important is that you definitely have to be open to it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean like, oh, uh, you know, just be open to a new experience that you've never had. Um, right. You know, I think that's very important. So let's talk about the benefits of it. Like what, you know, I know you said if they had a a blockage, but could you give an example of some of the clients that you have seen, maybe even a successful story where you have seen that came to you and what, what was like, what was that like? Well, just about every person that has been um, on my table has immediately afterwards, because I'll step out, you know, I'll kind of like tap them on the shoulders, kind of like wake them up, let them kind of come back into the room and just kind of soak everything in. And then I'll step out and go wash my hands again, just give them a couple of minutes and then I'll come back into the room. And when I come back in, generally, almost every person, the first thing out of their mouth is, oh my God, that was so relaxing. That felt amazing. You know, that's just, just that alone can be life changing for some people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had one of the, um, one of the gals, I just distinctly remember she, she came in um, multiple times and her very first time she was, when I came back into the room, she's just still laying on the table and she's like, that was so amazing. I just don't want to get up yet. 
So <laughs> is it all right if I just lay here and we talk? And I'm like, absolutely. <laughs> and she had had, um, she was going through a lot of stress in her life. She was, I can't recall now if she was getting divorced or had just recently been divorced. Her and her husband are in the same career. So they have a lot of people they have to see. And now she's no longer in that business, but she's, you know, out on her own doing her own thing. And um, there's just a lot of tension there and a lot of, you know, petty little stuff like people talking behind backs and all that. And she just was having a hard time releasing that and letting that go. And she had um, said during her session, laying there on the table, she's like, it was really weird. It was like every single one of these people, including my ex, were in these little like televisions on this little television screen and they'd come in and I'd look at them and then they'd go away. And I just, and with each one, it was like she was releasing the need to worry about what they're saying about her. Um, so that was just one, but one of the most, um, I guess for me, it was like humbling when I got her message. There was a gal who only came to see me once and she came in and her comment was, I have no zest for life. Um, she had been seeing some doctors about different things medically that she might have going on. Um, you know, I can't diagnose or say anything. I suspected she was having some autoimmune things um, just based on what she was telling me um, because I have them. So I kind of just some of the signs that she was saying, I was like, gosh, that sounds like me. Um, and, but she just like, I just don't have any zest for life. I have a good life. I don't, I'm not suicidal. Um, Cause then I would have just sent her right off to, you know, mm -hmm. uh, somebody else. Um, she said, but I just have no zest. I have a good life. I should be happy. And I'm just, I'm just not, everything is just gray and everything's a dark gray. It was kind of how she explained it. And, uh, so she came in, she had her session, same thing. Oh my gosh, that was so relaxing and da, 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 da. Then never heard anything from her for months. Didn't hear a thing. And about six months later, I get an email that Mary, I just want to let you know that since that time with you, my whole life has changed. It has, uh, she said, I am so happy. I am thriving. Um, and it all started with just getting, just being there. And once I left there, things started to, I came out of the gray and I started seeing colors again. And, and so while she didn't have like this big, massive moment, on the table, it just started to lead to whatever blockage she had opened up so she could start seeing things again and being open to different things again, which included finding a naturopath who has got her on um, working on whatever autoimmune stuff that she has. And she's just like, I cannot thank you enough for giving me my life back. Wow. So, I mean, that was just like, I mean, I had just was crying when I was reading her message yeah. and, you know, yeah. that's when you go, wow, you know, yeah. you really do help and can change somebody's life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. And I think that, you know, a lot of the things that you were talking about, what she talked about with you, uh, the releasing, 
of the, the mm-hmm. whatever it is you're holding. And I, that was the reason why, you know, I went because I just got out of a, a toxic relationship and I was still having the residual effects of that. And I had to let mm-hmm. it go, you know, anger, letting go of the anger. Mm-hmm. And I kid you not, just as, as she wrote that to you, it is like a release. It's like, mm-hmm. like an exhale and seeing things. And it, it is a definitely uh, an experience that I, I um, recommend for anyone to try. I mean, give it a try. But let me ask you about how about those who say they are Reiki masters <laughs> and they're not? <laughs> or are they – uh, because, I mean – and I'm trying to be very careful with this because, you know, you have doctors and there's great doctors and there's not so good doctors. And I feel like it's the same with everything. And mm-hmm. you think that it has, it takes a certain type of person because you said intuitive, you said you are intuitive, which not everybody mm-hmm. is. So is there a certain characteristic that someone should have or would be helpful to have when doing that, when doing Reiki? You, I believe you have to let go of control um, because again, in my training that I had and I was trained through the Yusui um, method of, of Reiki is that it's, we're not doing the work. We are just channeling the energy. The work is actually being done by the client mm. and their energy. So um, they just need that draw, uh, drawn into them um, in a way to have it like pulled through. You know, it's, it's being sent, but it's not, you know. And so we have to, as Reiki practitioners, as I mentioned, our job is to not give it. Our job is to just channel it and let it get pulled through. So I have heard of a few and, and I haven't been, you know, I haven't had a lot of, of, um, connection with any, anyone else here. There are a few people, I guess, here in town now. Um, cause when I went looking, I didn't even see very many practitioners. I think there's maybe a handful of us. Um, and I've heard of others, not necess- not here, but I've heard of other people who have had sessions where they're being told afterward what things meant and what, you know, and it's like that, that is absolutely not in um, our uh, best practices at all because it's up to the client. And I'll even tell them what we'll, we'll, at our, after our session is done and we sit and talk, I'll ask them maybe what they felt um, I'll explain to them in the beginning too what they possibly might feel. They might feel a lot or they might not feel anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they'll ask me, you know, what what happened with you or what did you? And I'll just tell them the different areas where I had a lot of movement. So I don't even interpret that as it being that I'm unblocking anything. Mm-hmm. I'm just tell them that this is the area where I had a lot of movement. And then we can talk about if it is like right in one, like a chakra area, I give them some information about that chakra and then let them see where that relates in their life. So okay. like I said, the throat chakra, a lot of time is like people trying to speak their truth, you know, or wanting, wanting to speak about something or, you know, a lot of times there'll be a blockage there. But even when I get energy movement, I, it's, 
I can't tell them that. I could, I could tell them what I think, but it could be completely wrong because what it means to them is something completely different. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to, to, um, have them think it's something else because then it's not, it's not doing them any justice or doing them a favor because that's what they need in their life. Not what I tell them what they should do. Right. You know, I, as you're talking, I'm thinking, as you're saying that, because I'm thinking, well, how does someone know that this was a good person? Like what good at what they're doing. But then I thought to myself, it's the same thing when you go see a therapist, you still have to do the work. They're doing their work. They're doing what mm-hmm. they have to provide to you, uh, you know, as they're licensed to do so. But at the end of the day, you're the one who should be doing the work. And sometimes you're going to have to go to somebody else where maybe you're more open to doing the work with that person. Mm-hmm. So I mm-hmm. you know you were talking about that and I was like, well, it, it ab- absolutely makes a lot of sense. And, but there, like you said, there are just some things that you shouldn't be told at the end of the mm-hmm. session. And those are the things that you just mentioned. Yeah, I love I it. To be really, really careful with that. And then there are times where I want to, but it's like, mm, mm, mm. no, 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 that's, <laughs> you know, that's not, you know, ethically, that's not what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Cause it's their work. It's their journey um, to do mm-hmm. that work. Oh, I love it. Okay. So I'm so glad we talked about that, but then there's another side of you that of course I love, um, which is, uh, so I went on your website looking around and I don't know if it's your website or your Facebook page, but it's, she's totally awesome. You talk a lot about that and you talk about this aging gracefully or aging youthfully. youthfully. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? <laughs> so, so aging youthful actually was the brand um, that my husband and I kind of put together. And it was when I was involved with heavily involved with that network, that network marketing company. And they came out with this product and they were saying youthfully age, you know, youthful aging or whatever. And I'm like, Oh, let's see if that, I was like, Oh, Oh, domain name. You know, I wanted to put together something about our journey because, you know, we were middle-aged, um, in 2000, that was about 2012, 2013. So I would have been, you know, I was in my mid forties. My husband was I think Mark would have been 50 by then. Um, And so, but youthfully age was taken, but aging youthful wasn't. So I took agingyouthful.com as a domain name. I was taught by a friend of mine years ago that you come up with a good domain name and it's not taken, secure it. Just secure that bad boy, you know? So like right now, I think I have probably... 25 or 30 domains that are inactive. Um, but so I took it and we started doing a little, you know, a little blogging. I was doing a lot of blogging back then. Um, when we had our sled dogs, I had started a blog. Um, it was called uh, Off the Beaten Path and it was all about us living in the bush. And it initially was a way for us to keep in touch with our family and friends because we didn't have phones, you know, we were living in the bush. We hardly ever saw people. So especially with sled dogs, we couldn't get away and go anywhere. Um, so I just continued that, continued blogging, and then started talking about, initially I was start talking a lot about the product um, that we were using or the products that we were using. And then it kind of started morphing into more of like a healthy lifestyle and for like middle-aged people. And over the years, I've kind of tapped in and out of it. Um, right now, I don't have a lot of time for blogging per se. 
Um, so I started the podcast, the Aging Youthful podcast, two years ago. Uh, went pretty good for about six months, and then again, I had gotten so busy. Um, I was finishing up my Reiki certification, and then I hopped right into starting to study for my personal trainer certification. And that was way more in-depth than I even expected. I had gotten a um, group fitness certification in the past, but holy buckets. I was yeah. like, <laughs> oh my God, I didn't know if I was even going to do it. I almost gave up a couple of times, but I didn't. Um, and then, so when I let the podcast go on sabbatical, and early this year, I started to decided to come back and started recording again, but something just didn't feel right. The aging youthful people didn't really kind of get what it is. Um, I didn't kind of really get what it is. You know, um, it's all about, you know, in marketing, you've got to have a niche. And I mean, I knew who my niche was, but am I talking to women? Am I talking to men? Am I talking to what age, you know, age group, aging youthful could be, you know, and it was just, uh, Mark's involved in it somewhat, but not much. <laughs> so um, when this whole COVID thing hit and all of literally my entire morning of personal training clients were affected by layoffs, so they had to put their personal training on hold, I took that opportunity to go through, um, I had done Shalene Johnson's um, Marketing Impact Academy mm -hmm. and kind of did it halfway a year or so ago. And so I started listening every morning. I just would listen to one or two um, modules or parts of the modules. And it was, it was resonating a little bit more this time around because I wasn't as busy. And so I was listening and I was going in order as you should with, <laughs> with yep. certain things, you know, certain uh, academies and stuff. And I was like, oh, my niche. It's like, who am I speaking to? Who am I really, really speaking to? So I was really trying to dig into that. And one night I was out on a walk with my dog. I'll take him just for a short little walk. And, and that's where I find where I kind of have the ideas come to me. Mm -hmm. And um, cause a year ago I was kind of I came up with the idea of the menopausal mindset, you know, cause I'm kind of going through that stage and it was like, that too didn't hit, didn't land right. You know, I was using it, but it didn't land right. Didn't feel right. Mm -hmm. And so I about walk in and just me and the take them are out for a little walk. And I was like, Gen X, I'm freaking Gen X. And it started because of this COVID. There was an article, and there's been a couple of them now, about how they're talking about how we're doing fine. We, we're adapting. Gen X is adapting so well in this because we've always had to kind of be on our own. You know, we were the first latchkey kids, and we're, we can just morph and do things, and, and we adapt a lot better than maybe some of the other generations. And it, then it was like, ding, 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 ding. That's who I'm speaking to. It's Gen X, you know? Mm -hmm. So I started kind of like with Gen X and I thought Gen Extraordinary, blah, blah. And, and then one, one night I sat here and I was like Googling, what are like the big, you know, it was, what are those terms that we use? What are the sayings of the 80s? And when I hit on Totally Awesome, I went, 
Oh, there it is. And at first, <laughs> duh, where have you been? How did I forget about that? Um, so it was going to morph into totally awesome aging. And I had kind of started doing that. And if anybody looks at the podcast, they will see that there's like one or two episodes that's totally awesome aging. Mm-hmm. And then I interviewed Robin Leggett from the seasoned athlete podcast. And I went to make the graphic for her episode and I just went, she's totally awesome. And I went like mic drop, <laughs> you know, lightning bolts. That's it. That is, that's it. Cause I am speaking to the Gen X woman and more than likely she's the 50 plus Gen X woman. Mm-hmm. Cause that's what I am. I'm 54. So it, cause when I hit 50, 50 was a big, big year. And just in that, those aha moments and anybody else that I have talked to, any of the other women I've talked to, they agree that life is different at 48 than it is at 50. And it's just in your mindset. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just a big mindset shift on that big five O. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. So are you saying basically that no matter what age we are, we can still do whatever it is we want to do? I mean, is that the basis of it? Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, and there are things that we, you know, we can't do. I mean, we, I mean, we can't go back to our twenties and do, we're not going to be competing with these 20 year olds in the Olympics or things like that, (laughs) but it doesn't have to stop us but we just might have to do something differently. Right. Um, and so for, for me, as my late forties kind of rolled around and, you know, it's all about that energy. And I, I had one naturopath gave me this book about how um, menopause and your menopause and is all about how everything changes. And it's like, you know, I don't think it's menopause. It's just, we get to that age where things that seemed to mean so much when we were younger or even five years ago, really don't. You just, (laughs) you release the bullshit, you know? And it's just like, and that was one thing too that, I mean, it came along with this network marketing company or this network marketing personal development, you know, all about that's where it was just like uh, those aha moments of getting rid of that drama. And even before that happened, I mean, everything happens for a reason. And I remember sitting at our cabin back, we still had sled dogs and it was before, um, you know, before we decided to retire, but we've gone through some stuff. Um, and I remember telling my husband, we always had that feeling. It was always like, why is there always a black cloud following us? Why, why, how come things never go our way? How come we get to, you know, and it was that realization that one day, and I don't know when it was exactly, but I can picture myself sitting on the end of the bed, having another meltdown. I was in a horrible job that I absolutely hated. Um, it was slowly killing my soul. And, but I just remember just big alligator tears sitting on the end of the bed. And I said, I'm done. I am done thinking about all the stuff I don't have. I, today I am going to be grateful for what I do have. And that was like that line in the sand. And from there on is where it all kind of started to move forward. And you know, and it's, 
you know, doing all these things. Like I said, I mean, I was 50, over 50 years old when I trained for my first strongman competition. My husband started in his, I mean, he's 59 now. Uh, and next year when he goes to nationals, if they hold it next year, because it was supposed to be uh, actually like in the next couple of weeks, of course, that got canceled thanks to COVID. But when he he goes next year, he'll be 60 and he's doing wow. strongman competitions. I mean, you know, so people think they're he's nuts, which he is uh, sometimes, <laughs> but but he's not letting his age stop him. Yeah. You know, and yeah. so does he have to do things differently than the younger guys? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, and the one thing that we have noticed when it comes to our fitness, especially and working out in gym, it takes us a little longer to recover than it did back when we were younger. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. So, so where, you know, when we were 20, we could bounce back, we could work out and be, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. I'm so sore. And two days later, you're bouncing back. It might be three, four days later before you're <laughs> bouncing back. Right. Right. I love that whole concept of it because, you know, I, I'm 46 and I was m- reminded that I'm middle-aged. I'm like, what? You know, when I right? think middle-aged, I think how my mother looked, you know, how, that's my mom. That's middle-aged. <laughs> I'm not middle-aged. What are you talking about? Um, but I think that, I don't know what it is. I just know, I mean, I see you doing all the things that you're doing. And I see a lot of other women who are older doing a shitload of things. And it, it, this is just a new way of, of women, you know, coming into this whole age thing. Um, mm-hmm. Nothing is stopping us. Nothing. I mean, I'm seeing women starting competition, uh, bodybuilding competition in their 40s and then winning. And 50s. And 50s and winning. Yeah. Um, so I love that entire brand, what you're, you're all about. I think it's definitely needed. It's it's. Very motivating. It really is. As you're talking about it, I was like, yep, I exactly know how you... <laughs> and you're right. We're, I'm not, we're not competing with any 25-year-old, believe me. Um, but you know, it, you're right. It, it doesn't mean that we can't attain some of those goals. It's just that we got to do them a little bit differently because we're... You know, the joints don't move as much as they used to, right? <laughs> well, um, you know, and, and things just might... The... The idea might still be the same, but the goal might be something a little bit different. And that's just having an open mind too, because, you know, it was even starting the podcast and starting the blog and things when I, I talked about how back, I mean, I always thought it would be fun to be a writer, you know, or, or be a, a teacher. And, and that's when, and, but I never went, I went to college for, oh gosh, two semesters, I think it was like, ah, this isn't for me. And, um, so I couldn't be a teacher. But if you keep an open mind, what I'm doing now is I'm teaching, but it's just not in a classroom setting, you know, and writing, you know, back then, you know, in the eighties, a writer would have been somebody who worked either for a magazine or for a, um, you know, had to write a novel or had to work for like a newspaper. You, there's blogs today where, you know, we're writing, you know, we're writing, you know, you can write a great uh, caption on social media. So it's, it's just maybe a little bit different. And it was that aha moment too. And, and at 50, and it wasn't like one single moment, but it was that 
realization too, and I've, I talk about this a lot. Um, it's that realization of, it was that holy shit moment, kind of like I'm 50. Holy shit. This is a year where more than likely I have spent more time on this earth than I have left. And if I'm going to do something, this is the time to do it. There's no more waiting around. Oh my and God, yes. And we're in a time though where we can we're still healthy, vibrant. We still can imp, you know improve where you know the other generations like our my parents generation, although my mom's pushing 90 now too. So um but you know in other generations past, you were kind of starting to go downhill because the life expectancy wasn't as long as it is today. Mm-hmm. So we can still be vibrant. We just have to keep moving, which is yes. so important. Yes, absolutely. My God, I could talk about you like this. <laughs> I could talk about this forever because this is exactly how I feel. And when I turned 40, I told myself, you know, uh, I got 40 in my mind. I'm thinking I got 40 more years to make this. Mm-hmm. I, I got another 40 years to do the things I want. I'm not going to sit around anymore. I'm done. And, right. you know, it's, I totally feel you. I totally feel what you're saying. And I am so happy that there's just more of us thinking that way because I want the young ones, the younger women, knowing that girl, that, come on, this is, not, this is not the end of the world. You've got a lifetime. There's so much more to live and there's so much more that's going to be coming. You know, it, it's, it's definitely a mindset. It's a mindset that you mm-hmm. have to uh, be open to. That's, that's, right. I think that's a huge one, open to. Right. <laughs> well, you know, and that's the, you know, the, like I say, age is just a number. Old is a mindset. Oh. <laughs> you know, so, the, or, or like my husband, my husband, he's a little more um, blunt, uh, doesn't have a lot of a filter. And his filter is, well, if you think you're old, you are. Mm. you know pretty much yeah that pretty (laughs) much makes a lot of sense so talking about this uh aging youthfully and we're talking about as we grow older um you know that we still have lives (laughs) we have life to live uh or we have a life to live um if you could tell a woman one piece of advice in regards to aging what would that be Oh, one piece. Mm. Oh, you know, it's, it's taking care of yourself. You know, um, Mark's grandpa had this saying and Mark repeats it often still is his, his grandpa used to say, if I would have known I was going to live to be this old, I would have taken better care of myself when I was younger, you know? Um, but the, the main thing is you can always make a change. And we are living proof of that. Um, We had, like I said, a horribly unhealthy lifestyle. And here we are 10, 12 years later and thriving. Um, So, you know, you, you can do that. You're, you have one body and take care of it, you know, really take care of it. But you also can enjoy the things you want. Practice that 80-20. Mm-hmm. Be good 80% of the time and do whatever you want. Have ice cream, mm-hmm. have the burger, have the glass of wine. Just don't flip those numbers, which most 
or not most, a lot of people. And that's how Mark and I used to be. We used to be unhealthy 80% of the time. Now it's, it's definitely flipped. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Choose yourself, take care of yourself. You only have one body. That is great advice. Gosh, Mary, I forgot to mention that you're a podcaster too. My God. (laughs) Um, So let's, talk about where we can find you. Uh, so you have a podcast. What's the name of the podcast? And we'll put all she, of this on the episode notes. Uh, the podcast now is She's Totally Awesome. And I have a website up that she's totally awesome.com without the apostrophe. Mm-hmm. And you can go there. It links up to the podcast, um, all of the episodes show there. Um, I just have a little bit about me, a little bit of you know, how to contact me, and then some of my favorite totally awesome products, um, a shop page. And um, I still haven't gotten a Facebook page set up <laughs> yet because it's so new. <laughs> I got my aging youthful one, but I just haven't been using that one yet or okay. much. So I do need to get a, a page set up. You can find me on the socials. Um, Personally, you can find me as ISA Mary Black, Isa Mary Black, um, on Facebook, if you have to do the facebook.com slash, because there's so many Mary Blacks out there. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then on uh, Instagram, you can find me at um, totally.maryblack. So I'm laughing because you have an IG account, but you don't have a Facebook, which is what normally they say the older folks have the Facebook accounts <laughs> and not the IG. I freaking love that. Well, but well, the the, the um, Instagram account still is my personal account as well. Okay. Okay. Um, so, but you can also find uh, find FireweedReiki.com, and there it talks about you know my the Reiki as well. Um, that's still embedded through my Aging Youthful page. Um, okay. And, you know, because distance sessions are something we can do too. You don't yes. have to be in person. Reiki yes. can be sent over distance. Yes. Um, so that's a, a something as well. Okay. All right. So we'll put all of those on the, the episode notes. Mary, thank you so, so much. I really appreciate you being here. You're dropping some truths, truths that I believe in. <laughs> and I hope it motivates other women and inspires them regardless of their age. Um, because, you know, you're definitely an inspiration. All the stuff you're doing is just amazing. So thank you so much. Uh, thank you everyone for listening and until next time. Bye. Bye.